Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Hello, listeners, and thank you for joining us again on another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. I'm your host, Simone Johnson-Smith, and be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you do not miss an episode. Today we have for you Ixtel Ba'acha Dogima Esquire. Welcome, Ixtel. Thank you, Simone. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And just for our listeners to hear your name pronounced properly, would you like to repeat that for me? Sure. So it's Ixtel Dopgima. Ixtel Mba Acha Dopgima. Okay, very good. And welcome. And if you can tell us a little bit about where you're from and your, give us a bit about your professional bio. Yeah, sure. So I am originally from Cameroon. Cameroon is a beautiful country in Central West Africa, I say Central West because depending on what angle, some people say Central, but it's also nicely located in part of the West. So we own both parts of Central and West Africa. I am an attorney, I'm currently lead counsel for Meta Platforms, working on privacy compliance. I'm a business owner. I founded the Immigrant Mom, which is a nonprofit that supports mothers who are raising children in a country that they did not grow up in. I'm also into real estate development with my husband. We co-founded a company called Build It For You, and we build affordable homes in Africa, starting with Cameroon, as well as construction projects, residential and commercial for individuals and nonprofits or corporations. In a nutshell, that's who I am and that's what I do. Okay. I believe you are a mom as well. You mentioned your husband. I am a mom to two kids. My husband and I have a total of three off this nine years, about to be 10. And then between both of us, we have two The first is four years old, and the second is three years old. So a full plate running over between being a mom, wife, your professional um, activities, and then business-related activities as well. Absolutely, a very full plate. I'd love to hear how you manage all of that as we go along here today. So you mentioned that you're heritage from Cameroon. Is there a story behind why you are here in the United States? I know some people have sensitive stories and they're not able to share, but if you are able, what brings you to the United States? Um, It's not a sensitive story. It's just, I would say, destiny, because right when I got done with college, and that's about 2007, sorry, The hope was for me to get licensed to practice law in my country. And at that time, 
the exam that lawyers take to be licensed had not been launched in a couple of years, but there was another alternative to go to a common law jurisdiction law school and um, sit for the bar in that country. First, you know, go to law school in that country, sit for the bar in that country, and by um, reciprocity would have been able to be admitted into the bar in Cameroon. And that was the, the route that I took. So I went to South Korea. South Korea is not common law. There is a U.S. law school in South Korea that teaches on common law. And so I, you know, completed three years of that and moved to the U.S. to take the bar. Now, this is where the U.S. comes in because I had to take the bar in New York. The entire goal there was to get that license and go back in practice in my country. But let's say life happened once I got here. I had my plans. My plans were disposed and I stayed, found love, married, have kids. And so that's the the story, the rather uninteresting story of how I stayed in the U.S. It was a means to an end that ended up being the end. And here we are today. And I came across you on LinkedIn. I'm not quite sure how we connected, but I think you may have seen some of my podcast posting and um, and then we got connected. And so it's a pleasure to have you as a guest here finally to hear your story. What is life like in Cameroon? I had a friend who was my roommate back in undergrad for my first degree. And I know a bit about, you know, Cameroon, English, French speaking, but what it was life like growing up in Cameroon? What's the food like, things that you did for fun? culturally, music-wise, whether there are any additional languages spoken? Um, Life was great. And I say so because, you know, what makes life pretty much is not the roads or the cars or the things or the infrastructure. Those things can make life a little better and, you know, facilitate a lot of things. But what, as a human being, you would really need to thrive is love and a safe environment for yourself, you know, and that was provided for me by my my parents. And so I enjoyed growing up with my family, with my siblings. I was in Cameroon all the way till I graduated from college and it was good. I grew up in a very strict home in a Christian family. And so my upbringing may be different from, you know, the average Cameroonian because, you know, I, I didn't go out as much. I was not into many social functions. I was with my family most of the time. The only constant thing we did outside of the home was to go to church, um, which we did every Sunday. But my parents were also, you know, recognized the fact that I was very outspoken from a young age. And so they also enrolled me in extracurricular activities like being a part of a drama group and going to the radio for radio programs. So I had a little bit of that experience. The food is great. Cameroon has over... 200 ethnic groups and all these ethnic groups have their own particular food or the way in which they make their food. And so there's a variety of different kinds of food. Um, Cameroon is a country where English and French is our national language. And so we are all at some point in time for those that have a formal education are required to learn both languages. So I am beginner level fluent in French I am native language fluent in English because English is the language that I spoke or have spoken my entire life. 
school and at the home and everything. Cameroon has its own share of troubles currently going through what has been, I would say, a regional conflict between the, you know, the English speaking side and the French speaking side for many reasons that I do not necessarily agree with. But that is the current reality in the country. But the hope is for better days. Okay. Yes. And we hope so too for peace and to be able to move past that. I have heard about that now for some time. Okay. And so you came over, had your plan to take the bar and go back, but then things change. So when you started thinking about possibilities of having a life here, was there some sort of an American dream that you had in mind that, you know, just kept you driven and pursuing to get to where you are today? No, I don't think so. The concept of the American dream, as often as I hear it, it still sounds very far-fetched and very foreign to me because I don't really know what the American dream is. I'm not sure if I were to ask the question, and maybe you can clarify, what is the American dream? For me, it, it all depends on the person. You know, people come from all walks of life from different countries. And, you know, this is generally perceived as the land of, of opportunities. And so many come in to say, this is the place where I will achieve my educational aspirations or, or whatever work aspirations that you have. This is a place where a lot of times it's possible. A lot, a lot of places around the country it's not as easily attainable like it is here in the United States. So some people have come in with whether it is finding work and being able to provide for their families overseas or achieving whatever educational aspiration. So, you know, yours might differ. So it all depends on who you're talking to. So to that, I would say that, you know, I really have not had an American dream because the notion that I thought of when it comes to American dream is have a house, have a car and leave a lifestyle that, you know, is possible because you're in America. Now I came from having a house and having a car and having three square meals and all of that. So that was not something to me that was going to be, you know, defined because I am in America. I would have had a car, God willing, without, you know, saying this with any, you know, pride or sense of, of boasting. But I felt like I would have had the car or had a house or had, you know, those opportunities if I was not in America. So now looking at my own, you know, reality and my own situation, the American dream or what I wanted or what I still want, it was just a place to be accepted, to belong and not feel like, you know, I am less of because of the, the color of my skin or I am not good enough or adequate because of the accent that's in my tone or my speech to be, you know, in a place where I didn't have to hide because there's a group of people that feel that, you know, my skin color is you know, not wanted. And so will be gone down in a grocery shop. And so, you know, with all the description that I just highlighted, you can see that my dream is yet to be attained. That has been my dream, I would say, to, you know, be in that place where belonging is at an all-time high. Integration is at an all-time high. Acceptance is at an all-time high. And the freedom to be oneself. Okay, we're still on that road and one step forward, two steps back and, and it continues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So could you speak to any opportunities that may have assisted you as you made that adjustment from passing the bar? You know, some people have varying levels of challenges adjusting to life here. You know, what were some things that just helped you get to the point where you are in life now and your achievements? I would say not giving up. I would say perseverance has been, you know, one of the things that have helped me because it's quite challenging to start life in a new place and also just the quest for more, not being satisfied at any given level, always believing that, you know, there is a step higher that I'm in, irrespective of how good the noun is. I always just, you know, look for better. I always just look for better. And I think the quest for better is what has helped me in my integrations, what has helped me in my journey persevering because it's not been easy. There's no word that can adequately describe the, the difficulty that exists in starting life in a new country and, you know, feeling that integrated and accepted is extremely difficult. And so the perseverance, you know, helped me. And I would say my faith in God, because there were days where the strength was at zero and there was, it looked like there was no way forward. But my faith in God, you know, and just trusting and believing that he has led me to this land and that he, he's got me. All of that, in a nutshell, have been my pillars. Were there any particular, you've alluded a bit to a few, any particular challenges or big adjustments that you had to make? And how did you overcome these? I think the biggest adjustment is, you know, being myself. The courage to be myself has been, you know, the biggest achievement. And this self changes with every phase, right? With every instance, with every, you know, every segment of the journey, it's a different story, right? Every chapter has a different story. So it's a constant struggle of, you know, I coming to every new phase with the courage to be me and not trying to blend in and not trying to conform so as to be accepted. There's also the challenge of identity, which I haven't faced to the degree that most people have encountered, but you have to understand that I came from a very highly homogeneous society where, you know, in filling out an application, I don't have to specify that I'm Black because a lot of us or most of us in my home country are Black. So, you know, having to self-identify as being Black in this new country became a reality. Like, you know, it's almost like identifying with Black people is also part of this identity, which wasn't the case when I was back in my country. We were Cameroonians or we are Cameroonians and that that's how it's been. But in America, I have to be, I can't be American. And in the subset of being American, I have to choose that I'm Black. And maybe in some applications, I have to choose that I'm Black African, you know? So the identity portion of it was something that I struggled with, especially also with the realities that Black people in America deal with. Yeah. So as you mentioned that, the whole issue of identity, have you been able to show up as your authentic self, like in the workplace or in other social settings? And how did that play out for you? Yes, I, you know, first of all, it was a struggle, like I mentioned earlier, still is depending on the phase that I'm in, but now so with 
much more ease than before. Um, I am able to show up as myself. Some days are better than others. Some days I feel like I should hide because myself does not have the first impression of being the smart woman that I am. So I want to hide because I'm fighting against the notion that my opinion on the table is not as credible or worthy as my other counterparts. But on the very good day, I have owned my accent. I have owned the fact that, you know, I may not speak like everybody else, but as long as you can hear me and if you need me to repeat myself, I would do that with grace and without any apprehension. I could come to work and not participate in the jokes, not because I'm not socially fit, but because I don't understand them. And I would not put myself under much pressure to laugh to jokes that I do not find funny just because I want to blend in with the laughing group. I have accepted the fact that there are games and table talks, cheat chatters that I may not get because at the time when a lot of those things were happening for the majority of people, I was living on the other side of the world and I have things that are unique that I understand that I get that is solely from my experience in that side of the world. To answer your question, there are good days, there are bad days, but I think the good days now are more. And I encourage more and more people to know that, you know, there is no superior or inferior experience. The first critic lays in our hearts. When we accept ourselves, then it really does not matter who does not accept us. When we accept ourselves, that is the first step to owning your identity and finding that courage that you need to be yourself. And I think that it's been 11 years going on since I came to this country and I'm finally saying I don't have to sound American, be American, get American jokes. I was not born American, did not grow up American. I come from somewhere and that is a majority of what makes me, me. So with your busy schedule, I'm wondering what are some tricks of the trade that you utilize to manage your busy schedule and how do you plan for rest and self-care in the middle of everything that's on your plate? I have to work hard at managing my time, but one thing that has helped me is if I have to do something, I do it now because if I put it off for whenever, I would never get to do it. This interview is one of those where I was like, if I have to push this, then I would never do it. So what I can do now, and I make it happen now. I recognize where I'm trying to give excuses. I recognize where I'm trying to evade, you know, out of fear or lack of courage. But then I put myself in the now. Do it now. Call them now. Sign the document now. Review the papers now. Set up the meeting now. Whatever comes to my mind in that moment, I would do it then just so that, you know, I'm able to keep things going. Um, For self-care, that's a very tricky question. I'm not sure what exactly would be self-care for me. I am still looking for activities that will help my mind, you know, kind of calm down. I And I'm sure you can get this as a creative person. Our minds are always working overdrive. All this new idea, all this new thing, or, you know, it's a constant goal. 
But I console myself by saying, now is the time the sun is out. I'll make hay while I can. The days are coming when the knees will be weak and the elbows feeble and will not have the strength to run around. So I embrace the creative mind that I have and do the most that I can. When the nighttime hits, I lay down and I get a good rest. On another note, I spend time with family that helps me, you know, declutter, that helps me find rest. That's about it. The other things like going to the spa and nails and hair, those take care of my physical body, but my mind is where I need most care. And that only happens when I am with people that love and support me and lift me up. Self-care to me too is prayer and going to church where I hear the word of God that replenishes me like nothing else. Thanks for sharing that. I wonder if you are able to share, you know, we're all learning from each other here on this podcast. If there was a time that you had kind of a faux pas or something that you made a mistake about and how did you handle it? What I can share is not necessarily what I did in that moment of my mistakes or, you know, things that I regretted or could walk back on. But now I would share it as a lesson because it's a lesson that I learned is to to give grace to yourself. Right. And this is advice I give to people who are hard on themselves. Now, this is not to people who are looking for excuses and a pat on the back, even when they make mistakes. This is for people like me who are extremely difficult. Their number one critique is themselves and they go hard on themselves. First thing is give grace to you. I know that you would already be looking for where you went wrong. So that responsibility and admission of a fault is a good step, but don't settle there. Look at what could you have done better. I normally say that mistakes of our lives are not intended to keep us trapped in a place of condemnation and guilt, but are an opportunity to show us a way in which we can be better. I think I should write a book on chasing better because when you chase better, you're always, you know, you are your self-assessor, you know. So in that moment of your mistake, self-assess, what could I have done better? What was it that happened outside of my control? What was it that was within my control? How could I have been better? Once you identify that, Create a roadmap on how you can start. You don't have to be better immediately, but if there is a plan you are following that helps you feel better because you know that it's just a matter of time, you are going to be better. And once you identify that map, you know, it's okay to let the mistakes stay in the past. Now is your present, your future is ahead of you. Keep moving forward. As long as you do not allow that incident to define you, nobody has the authority or has the permission to define you by that. Consequences arise because of mistakes. Accepting those consequences is part of moving forward. But remember, your best days are never behind you. Your best days are always before you. Very well said. So it's said that success leaves clues and you, in my eyes, I would say you've been very successful in your time here in the United States. What do you know now that you wish that you knew at the start of your immigrant journey? And how has your time here shaped you into the person that you are today? I'm thinking about that. What do I know now that I wish I knew before? I wish I knew that success is a process. 
it's a process. It's not a one-time destination because even as much as people say to me, oh, I think you are successful or you've had a successful career. In my mind, I take the compliment because it's a compliment, but you know, it does not, I never feel like I have arrived because again, it's a process. I would have allowed myself without putting so much pressure, without having the many down and depressed days that I had back then that, you know, I was just going through that process. Of course, you know, I'm still in the process, but I'm in a better process space. Back then I was in a process, but still, you know, at the point where, hey, I don't know if my bills are going to get paid. But at the same time, had I known that it was a process, I don't think I would have allowed myself to go through the anguish and the despair that some days brought me of just not knowing what was going to come. And this might be the reality of somebody who is an immigrant who just came here and who is just saying, I don't think I'd ever make it. I don't think I'd ever be able to, you know, find my voice. I don't think I'll ever be able to, you know, own myself. I don't think I'll ever be able to make enough money. You will. It's a process. Now, are you ready to learn? Are you ready to own your mistakes? Are you ready to improve yourself? Are you ready to step outside of your comfort zone? If yes, it's a process, you're moving along. You are going to get to an easy process place like I am in today. So that's what, you know, I, I wish I knew that I was in the process and that it was going to get better. I, I think we that will resonate with a lot of people. I know it does me. There's a quote out there that says success is a journey. It's not a destination. And so, you know, a lot of times we have to be reminded that, you know, we have good days, bad days, um, just like nature, right? There, it's sunny some days. Sometimes it's cloudy. Sometimes we have rain. We have winter here in the United States. It's part of the cycle, part of the change. And we have to, it all works together, right? As the Bible talks about everything working together for a good, working together in our best interests, you know, but at times we need reminders. So thanks for sharing that. To wrap up, do you have any advice that you would give to immigrants? Maybe perhaps someone who is um, coming over like you did as a student transitioning or somebody who's just coming from Cameroon or from some other place in Africa and is trying to figure out their way here, trying to make life here. And it just seems such a daunting thing. What would you mm -hmm. advise people to make this space, the American space, a peaceful journey as they move forward and so forth? I think everything that I have shared today, you could hear pieces of advice, you know, in there. But I'll leave this parting advice with our audience is to find a community not just any community, because community can be good and can be bad. You want to find a community, your support system of people who are at a place that you would love to be, who are immigrants, who get you. Now you can have another community of people, of Americans, and that's always good because you step outside of your comfort zone and you get to stretch. Now, having an immigrant community goes a long way because these are people that understand what it means when you say you feel lonely. They understand what it means when you say you don't feel adequate. They understand what it means when you say you don't know what you don't know because they have been there before. If you find a community of good-hearted people who have walked 
a mile in your shoes before, I think that already puts you over the edge, over the person that does not do the same. Because community helps us. They are the building blocks that we eventually get to stand on because they are able to help to advise, to, you know, give you that sense of self. We as human beings were created to be relational. It's almost impossible to try to build and stand alone. And that is true even in a new country. So spend some time, if you can, through research and advice to identify key people who are willing Keyword willing, because not everybody is willing to be able to share what they have done to succeed. People who are willing to share and support and plug in to that community, because that's the way you would learn. And you can in turn turn around and become that support system to the newest person that comes after you. Wonderful. That's a a nice bookend. This is why we exist here as a podcast space. This is why I created this podcast to serve as a willing instrument to share information, to share inspiration, to share whatever information we have to encourage others on their journey as immigrants here in the United States. So we thank you so much for your time. We wish you the the very best and the successes um, that you're pursuing and congratulations for everything that you've achieved during your 11 plus years here in the United States. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. Thank you, Simone, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence.